How can you squeeze maximum meaning out of one word? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about board games as they'd like to know. This week, we'll be talking about the most popular party game in the world right now for people who can't stand party games. It's called Codenames. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast. With me again this week, Holly Wider. Hello. And Lisa Wecklich. Hello. So, you guys ever watch spy movies where somebody's got to do the thing where they make the sign and the countersign? Yes. I, I, I love the sort of espionage, intrigue type stuff. Are, are, are you into that whole sort of cloak and dagger sort of... Yeah. It's not my favorite type of movie, but I definitely like that concept. And it's a concept that kind of sort of plays out in code names with having to give these obscure signs and mm-hmm. figure people mean by the sort of code phrase and stuff. But uh, in, in, at its heart, it's actually a pretty abstract game, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody actually feels like they're a secret agent or anything, which is <laughs> unfortunate. Even when you touch the deadly assassin, it's like, oh no, we just died. But um, before we get onto the details of the game, let's talk about party games for a bit. How do you feel about party games generally? Do you play a lot of them? Or? Uh, I don't. I'm definitely more of a heady, heavy strategy kind of mm. gamer. I tend to play a lot of them with my friends just because that's what they prefer, but it's not always my favorite thing to play. <laughs> I, f- I find that for the heavy strategy game player types, this tends to be often very much the case. Uh, party games don't really provide what that mm. sort of player wants in a game. What's, uh, what is it about, what's, what, what do you find lacking in party games that kind of makes them not really your thing? Uh, f- what's lacking in party games, I think, would be like... The fact that you don't really need strategy or to use your mind, you know, (laughs) I guess. Generally speaking, the challenge in party games tends to be not in using systems and stuff, but in getting people to guess a word Mm -hmm. or trying to figure out who said what or who wrote what or who did what. Yeah, which I guess is fun if you're like interacting with a bunch of friends, but I'm not much of an interactor. I like to use my head a lot so it's very it's a lot better when i'm playing games to be like okay now i can think about this as opposed to like let's enjoy thinking together i don't know if that makes sense at all well in in the kinds of uh, european style games that uh, like say a guy like uve rosenberg would do mm-hmm. um you're sort of free to do your own thing over here and the other yeah. players are going to do their own thing over there and you're each trying to do as well as you can mm-hmm. and there's not quite so much of the oh well you didn't think that i was going to do this so i'm gonna mm-hmm. um is, do you tend to prefer games that uh, strategy games that are more interactive, like the American style stuff, where I smash your stuff and interact with you by basically with my fish interacting with your face, um, or do they tend to be the more stuff like uh, like these European style games where we're each kind of doing our own thing? Uh, I like a bit of both. I like the ones that are definitely really competitive and really like beat 'em up kind of games. <laughs> But I also really like games like Agricola or Le Havre, where you're kind of doing your own thing and building your own stuff and you're not really interacting with another player. But it's, it's not directly. Yeah. But it still involves a lot of planning and thinking and working everything out. Sure. It's a, it involves a, a kind of challenge, like getting an intellectual workout. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you really don't tend to see so much in party games. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the reason why Codenames is so popular because it really does kind of force you to, uh, to, to really figure things out and mm. exercise those mental muscles. Uh, in a game like Taboo or something, there's still plenty of that going on. I mean, how am I going mm. to express this without using these words? Sure. But 
I don't know. I guess it feels different because you're under time pressure. Is that what it is? It feels more panicky. Maybe. I don't find taboo all that difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, are you usually the one who's giving the clues or the one who's figuring them out? Uh, I find either way it's pretty straightforward. Like I think if you have a bit of a like diverse vocabulary, mm. it makes it a bit easier mm-hmm. because the right. words that they put on the card are really similar to the one that you have to guess. So if you can like think in an abstract concept, get your teammate to think on that same line of thought with you, then it makes it a bit easier. Sounds like a kind of skill set that would also be really handy in code names, actually. Yes, very. <laughs> so let's. Um, so this this is a game that's been just lighting up the boards at uh, at boardgamegeek.com, mm-hmm. the which is kind of like the central website on the internet for the heavy board game player types. And these are people, for the most part, who do not care for party games at all. You won't <laughs> catch them playing Cards Against Humanity or Taboo or any of these kinds of things. Generally speaking, they love their their heavy strategy stuff, and they're going nuts for code names. Uh, party game that they actually love. And we've been seeing it on the tables quite a bit at Snakes and Lattes, too. This week, we're going to sort of take it apart a little bit and get a sense of what it is about this party game that the hardcore gamers seem to love. Okay, so you've got a group of people playing code names. They've got set up on the table. Let's sort of paint a picture here and get a sense of what we've got. How many people are playing? Uh, there's teams, mm-hmm. so at least two people on each team. So Two teams? Yeah. Red team over here, blue team over there. And uh, what have they got on the table in front of them? Bunch of cards <laughs> with words. There's a grid of five by five cards, and each card has a word on it. And most of them are not related to the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> so 25 words, and they could be like shark and corner and Washington and yeah. whatever. You know, just 25 completely random words. Yep. So what are these players doing then? What, uh, what, what, what's the red team doing? What's the blue team doing? What are we seeing them do as they play this game? They're trying to associate a word with as many words as they can that are already on the table that match their color. And how do they know what color is theirs? The Codemaster. The Codemaster, that's it. Yeah, there's, a, there's a special person from each mm-hmm. team, the Codemaster. There's a red Codemaster and a blue Codemaster, and they're kind of off to one side. Yeah, so they're on their own, and they have this little... They have a secret grid that will show you which which words that are on the table are the ones that they're trying to get teammates to guess. So it's like they can tell which words are red ones and which mm. ones are blue ones. Exactly. Yes. And which ones are civilians and which one is the assassin. The deadly, mm. deadly assassin who ends the game if anybody touches it. <laughs> so there are... Uh, this is the thing that uh, that winds up being the biggest hurdle I find to getting people to try code names mm-hmm. is that, uh, I mean, we're good at this. We're all people who play a lot of games mm-hmm. and we're struggling to find a way to concisely explain what's going on in this game, all of us. I mean, there's a reason why I made you guys do this because <laughs> I have no idea. I've, yeah. I've, I've been trying to pitch this game to people for ages and it's really tough. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, uh, there's one person from each team who knows what color all the words are. The red person who knows the colors is trying to help their team find the red words. Yeah. And the blue player is trying to help their blue team find the blue words. And the way you do that is by giving like a movie style counter sign where you say, all right, um, fish, two. <laughs> Indicating to your team that there's two words out there that are on, that are our color that have to do with fish in some way. So then what happens? Then the teammate to the Codemaster has to guess which words on the grid they think relate to the clue that they got. So they choose 
if there's a whole bunch of people on your team, you have to discuss among yourselves and then decide on which word you want to choose and point it out to your code master. So if you get it right, then you get an agent of your color on that word. And if you get it wrong, either you give an agent to the other team or you shot a civilian, which is very bad, <laughs> or you found the assassin, which ends the whole game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always one word out there that mm-hmm. the Codemasters know about, and if anybody else goes near it, then that's game over yeah. right there. <laughs> and um, and so, so the board starts to fill up, right? As the as the red team starts finding their people, the board fills up with red as more and more of these card, these 25 cards are covered up with these red agents. And as the blue team scores points, they start putting more and more blue stuff on the board. And if you get all your agents on there, then you win the game. Uh, but if you manage to find the assassin, then that's uh, it for mm-hmm. your team. <laughs> and... That's kind of the thing. Have you guys ever gotten assassinated playing code names? Yes. Oh, I haven't yet. Uh, it's 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 a shameful moment. <laughs> yes. Usually for the code master because they usually didn't think of a peculiar yeah. association. It's like, you know, it's like the, the, if shark was the assassin, I said fish. Like, come on, everybody knows that sharks aren't fish. <laughs> but it's, yeah. Yeah. It's so easy to get uh, to get wrong things in code names mm-hmm. and. For a lot of people, I think that's part of the appeal, right? I mean, watching your friends mess up <laughs> is something you don't see happening too much in these heavy-duty games. But in party games, it happens all the time. And making failure fun is kind of key to how this game gets its appeal. Do, do you find that, that you remember those moments when you screwed up horribly in this game more than the ones where you succeeded brilliantly? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you remember the one time when you got the assassin. Yes. So. So we know that you guys like this game, right? You've, you've, the way you're talking about it, you seem to be pretty fond of it. Yeah, I know. It's really fun. And, uh, and, and you sort of fit that stereotypical model of people who are typically into the heavier, more complicated games who were uh, won over yeah. by this unusual party game. I guess it's not that surprising. It's designed by Vlada Kvatil, a Czech designer who's famous for making uh, these massively complicated, more hardcore type <laughs> game designs like Mage Knight and stuff. Mm. Um, but how do you find this game works with your not so heavy board gamer friends and family? Did it, did, have, you, have you tried it with them? I actually don't have a not so heavy board gamer friends group to play this oh with. Oh my goodness, I envy <laughs> you so much. How about you, Holly? I haven't actually brought out code names with those specific friends. I have so many different friend groups, you know. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know how it would go over because I I have these I have a certain group of friends where they like love telestrations and all that stuff. And I don't know if I would bring up code names, even though it is a party game for them. The groups that play telestrations and cards against humanity seem to really enjoy code names because it's kind of a more advanced version of a party game. Mm. So it gives them a chance to sort of sink their teeth into something where ordinarily it would be more of a just sort of laid back kind of deal. Yeah, it's like a next step game for mm-hmm. those kinds of groups. Getting a bit more intense. Mm-hmm. The biggest problem, well, okay, aside from that initial problem of having to actually articulate what this game is and why it's fun, <laughs> which is super hard. All you can do really is say, this, it's so good, you have to try it. The, other, the, the next real major obstacle that you face is that first turn for that first player. Because mm-hmm. they're sort of staring across that grid of 25 words and that little picture that says which ones are red and which ones are blue. It's like, uh, how do you get over that? What if, have you found any tricks that you can use to help people who are playing for the first time to make that initial leap and take that first turn? 
I find for that first turn, if they just try to get a word that matches two words together, then that's good enough. Like they don't need to get the word that gets five or six connections. It's just as long mm-hmm. as they can get some of their things on the board, at least they have something out there. Sure. There's a temptation, I guess, to try to find a way to give a single word that's going to lead your team to three or four yeah. Yeah. of your of your, of your spies at, uh, with one shot. But uh, just going for two seems like yeah. a pretty reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. Even if you can't manage that, even one. Yes. Yeah. Something. Just, just something. Exactly. Just go for synonym. We'll, we'll say like Jaws, one. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, shark. There we go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's definitely a really, if for someone who's never played it, is just be like, okay, for your first turn, just pick one word and be very specific for that one word just so that they can get that step into being like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. This is how I'm thinking. This is how my team is thinking. I can mm-hmm. actually do this. This yeah, is not yeah. impossible. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then you can save the hot dog in it and finding uh, crazy you know, four and five things. I, I, I think the most I've ever managed to get is three. Yeah, no, that's, that's um, pretty good. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, especially when the words are really, really diverse. But yeah. I've heard tell of people who've managed to get five with one right. shot they'll say they'll say like you know black five and whatever and, and there'll be like five things that are sort of darkish in color out there and manage to get all of them with one shot wow. it's 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 crazy when that does happen but it's the sort of thing that, uh, that you wind up really remembering and most party games don't have those sorts mm-hmm. of individual moments that really stand out in memory All right, that's it for this week. If there's a game you'd like to see in the spotlight, tweet it to us at SnakesCast or post it on the Snakes and Lattes Facebook page. Lisa, Holly, thanks for being on the show. Thank, Thank you. you. The SnakesCast is produced by P.T. Douglas. Music is provided by Ben Sound. The opinions expressed on the show belong to the people in it and not the company behind it. Until next time, thanks for listening. Game on. Game on.